Beloved of the Lord, sons and daughters of God our Father, we open to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 this morning for our sermon. We'll look at a few verses around it, but we're going to be focusing on verse 18. So turn there with me now, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 18, the closing of that chapter. Hear now the word of the Lord. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I'll read that again, and of course, you understand it's a continuation of the verses before. We will look at those, um, and will be a father. God will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I will be a father to you, God says, the Almighty God. We know from other scriptures, he's referred to as the everlasting father. He says, I will be a father unto you. I will be your father. What a beautiful thing to hear from him. Well, as you know, I did break from my standard procedure on Mother's Day. I don't like to be governed by the ecclesiastical calendar. I don't like to be governed uh, by other calendars of the year. I like to stick with the word of God. Uh, But because I'm not in exegetical series for the moment, it seemed appropriate to focus on motherhood. So we did have a Mother's Day sermon in May. And of course, I planned on therefore doing a Father's Day sermon today. So I'm going to break with my standard procedure, and we're going to be thinking about fatherhood, reflecting God our Father. Uh, Similarly, don't get used to it, (laughs) but today we will. And uh, it is equally biblical, and it's equally important to be thinking about fatherhood. And reflecting our Father in heaven. Recently, Fernanda and I were uh, speaking with a mother that we met at the last homeschool day of the year, um, where they had extra activities and fun. They kind of brought things to close quicker and had extra things. They had a, a jumping castle and water balloon wars, and that was fun. But one of the things that they had we were enjoying waiting upon eagerly was the balloon artist kind of looked like Blippy, <laughs> you know, and I guess, he, and he was good. It was amazing. And he made this amazing Spider-Man, never seen anything like it with a web and everything for Gabriel. And then when it was Gideon's turn, what you did is you put your name on a sheet of paper, put it in the bowl, and then he'd call the name. Well, he called Gideon, went right up for Gideon. But one of the moms thought at first it was her kid because she had a Gideon. Oh, you have a Gideon also. And as we were talking, it turns out she has a Gabrielle, uh, you know, with two L's and an E at the end, a, 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 a lady, young lady. And then, of course, we have Gabriel. So we were talking. And, of course, uh, tried to impress her. Oh, you know, we have six children. You know, you got to watch out in these homeschooling groups. That's not always impressive. <laughs> uh, when we were talking with her about that, she responded, oh, that's great. I have nine children. And uh, they were so well-behaved. They were so respectful. They were so beautiful, full of smiles. And so we were impressed. And talking about that, she homeschools them all. But then she asked for prayer. Because for the last two years, her husband has been trying to divorce her. He won't take calls or messages from people in the church. This is a man she's followed around the world in the military. They came to the Lord in their marriage. Their eldest is now in the military, and by the way, tested at the highest. He can do whatever he wants. Um, not only that, to add insult to injury or you know, pain to the wound, 
if I understand her correctly, the first court case uh, trying to get a divorce was on their anniversary, their wedding anniversary. I'm looking at these amazing, beautiful children, every name reflecting a, a Bible name, and I don't get it. How does a man do something like that? How does a father, let alone a husband, how does a father do something like that? I guess he just became sergeant in the military. And I don't know, sounds almost like a midlife crisis. Sound like, sounds like he's been influenced by some others, almost like it's time to have your own life. They married young. It sounds like it's just, you know, have your thing now. And so he's an important sergeant in the military now. Seems to want to start a new life. Uh, won't, again, respond to the church. He's already out of the house. And again, I, I don't get it. I'm looking at those children and say, how do you just abandon these children? Nine children. He's been a father for a while, but he's, he's some important sergeant now. I said to Fernanda as we were driving home, he may have a lot of badges on his collar, but he is not a man. He's a baby. He's a child. How does a father, how does a husband, how does a man leave his wife and babies? Fatherhood is about being there for your children. God saves sinners and he turns them into his sons. Thus he is their loving, caring father who calls them out of dangerous darkness and into life with him in his lovely light. I give you that as the main idea of this verse in its context that we'll briefly look at today. God saves sinners and he turns them into his sons. Thus, he is their loving, caring father who calls them out of darkness, dangerous darkness, into life with him in his lovely light. He promises to be a father with all that that means. And we'll unpack it a little bit today. I would remind you that in the series of sermons on God's names, we included one about being father, though it's more technically a title. And uh, that might be a place if you want to go to review more of what it means. I'll try not to be exhaustive here today. But let's think about what it means because God says to you in this verse, I will be your father. And that should just rivet us with respect and deep appreciation. In this verse, he's loosely quoting 2 Samuel 7, verse 14, and Isaiah 43, verse 6. 2 Samuel 14 and 15, and Isaiah 43, verse 6. It's a loose connection and comment, but I think it's implicitly understood there. Why is that important? Especially because they're both messianic scriptures that are especially talking about God's promises to Jesus as the Messiah, God's perfect son, who always said, my father. And to do my father's will is my delight. And to do his father's will, Psalm 40 quoted in Hebrews, was to give up his body to die on the cross to save us from our sins and make us the children of God and God our heavenly father. Through Jesus, God becomes your father. 
Galatians 3, verse 26. Before I continue, let me just make this caveat, this qualification, this disclaimer. Everyone does not have God as their father. Other religions do not have God as their father. There is this idea of the general creation, all being under God as the creator. And in the sense, there's that idea of fatherhood there. But it is not how the Bible talks about God as our father. It's always through adoption in Jesus Christ. But in Christ, you're adopted by God and he is your father, redemptively. Galatians 3 verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 4, 6-7. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Notice that Abba Father. Abba, that is like daddy. But I appreciate, I think it's Derek Thomas who has said, it always has father attached to it. It's that combination of familiarity and respect. They go together. Notice, God shall be the father of Christians, our verse says. He speaks directly, I will be your father. Now, this again is by way of adoption. The scriptures speak of this idea of adoption. God chooses. He takes you home. He makes you his own in formal covenant. Jeremiah 31, verses 1 and 9. At the same time, saith the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. They shall come with weeping and with supplications will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way wherein they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Makes me remember the song when we studied God as good last week by casting crowns, the song, Good, Good Father. And it says, how good a father you are. Not that you're good, but you're a good father. And it says, that's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. And then the effect is, and I'm loved by you. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. My identity in Christ is now that God is my father and I am his child. The God of the universe has adopted me in Christ as his son, as his daughter, changes everything. As they say, it's a game changer for all of life, right? God as father gives his personal, formal, covenanted connection and care. The effect is that we have a father. We are become his sons and daughters. He's the everlasting father, the scriptures say. We have a whole different life. We're no longer alone in trying to take care of ourselves with everyone trying to take from us and no one loving us or taking care of us. I might have shared with you before, but Fernanda, uh, though she's really 
thinking maybe it's a girl. It's funny, yesterday at our Father's Day lunch at a restaurant, oh, look at that cute little girl, look at that cute little girl. But for a long time, she didn't want to have a girl. She lost her father at an early age, and she knows what it's like to have to try to take care of herself as a woman, and she didn't want a little girl to have to be without a father. She says, I know you always care for her if it's a girl. I said, yes, and if it's a boy. (laughs) But there's that sense of God takes care of his children. A father takes care of his children. We are safe in our father's care. God shows what it is to be a good father. Here's a beautiful verse that we we had the benefit of looking at in Deuteronomy 1 uh, in a thematic sermon when we thought about footsteps in the sand, that that poem. But then again, as we were were up up through chapter 5 in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 1 verse 31. This might be a scripture to, to jot down and look at later to bless you. And in the wilderness, God says, where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bear thee as a man doth bear his son in all the way that you went until you came into this place. Forty years, right? God, it says, it's like you're a child. I put you on my shoulders. We dads do that a lot, right? Sometimes, especially the little toddlers, it's the only way to keep them safe, keep them out of trouble. Yesterday, we were walking through the store, Walmart. We were going to meet up with mom in a little while, and every aisle, a little guy gets with his hands. I'm like, no, no. Finally, I just pick him up and hold him. But particularly when we're outside, pick him up and hold him so he doesn't get hit by a car. You know, or sometimes they're just so tired they fall asleep and you're carrying them, right? That's the image God gives of us to his people, Israel, who is spoken of in the collective singular as my son. Typifying Christ, his beloved son. But my firstborn son, he rescues out of Egypt. He speaks about my son. I'm going to take my son out of slavery. It's the same for us now. But he says, I, I carried you through the wilderness, a long time, as a man carries his son. That is a father. As a father carries his son. This is what God does for us. Fathers sire, but they also serve. As has often been said, anybody can make a baby. It takes a father to raise a baby. It doesn't deny biological fatherhood and the responsibility of that father to father. A child can make a baby. Childish boy can make a baby. But a man is a father who not only sires but serves his wife and his children. Fathers produce, of course, but they also provide for and protect. And that is so much of what's given us in the imagery of what it means to say, I will be your father, God says. And therefore, how fathers are to understand what they're to be for their children, reflecting their heavenly father. God not only produced us, making us born again, creating us and then recreating us born again, but he provides for and he protects us. How? Fathers provide and protect by their promises. That's going to be following in the text. And their presence. So much the idea throughout all of the Bible. Their presence And their promise is to stay present and thus provide and protect. Because you got to be there to do those things. R. Kent Hughes, in his book, Disciplines of a Godly Man, in his chapter on fatherhood, says this, The dues 
of fatherhood cannot live by proxy. The dues of fatherhood cannot live by proxy. Boys, what does that mean? Our duties as fathers cannot be done at a distance with someone else doing our job for us. He goes on to say, when a man truly gives his heart to Christ, it is turned toward his children. When we see revival in churches and in the land, we're going to see fathers' hearts turned towards taking care of their children. Not just physically, but spiritually. And primarily spiritually. The physical is just the context. When a person's heart, a man's heart, is turned towards God the Father in heaven, his heart is turned towards his children and thus towards his people. His heart and his presence are involved. Richard Phillips says in his book, Masculine Mandate, our children must gain from us what they most desire. Our affection, our approval, our attention, our involvement, and our time. He says, most fathers will have to curb or set aside career ambitions, recreational pastimes that do not involve their children, and indeed, much of their lives apart from their family. He says, you're going to be a father, guess what? You give up your life. Your life is your being a father. That's your life. That's your calling. That is your life. Fatherhood. It's a glorious life, beloved. It's such a blessing to rejoice in your children. I and mean, just today, just the little things, you know. Fernanda and I say every day, you know, don't get me wrong, at night we're kind of like, we're going we're gonna to bring Gideon over to Mrs. Maxwell tomorrow for nighttime. <laughs> you know? But in the morning, they're so cute. And today especially, Gideon was just giving little kisses to mommy's face saying, nice, nice. There's so much blessing. And as they get older, they help. There's such a blessing. And Isaac, today I realized he could ride in the front. Oh, he was so excited to be my wingman. And we went on a lovely bike ride the other day and had so much fun. And we had to get uh, emergency diapers while others were sleeping. Uh, we went to the dollar store and I bought a little tiny toy slingshot to tie him to the back of my bike so we could get him home because they didn't have any bags. And that whole thing was fun. I mean, life is just full of such wonderful times with your family. Fatherhood, what else, what else could you possibly do with your life? Oh, I know, golf, yeah, let's go. Yeah, I know. I know bowling, but yeah, we can go on lots of business trips. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't get it. I mean, the best thing to do is just father your children, to spend time with them. And to be so thankful for all of our failures as fathers, which is why some fathers stay away. Real men just keep coming back. Why? Because of our Father in heaven who forgives us and always takes us back and says, keep getting up, man, and do again, even if you fall seven times a day. And father your children. Uh, uh, Richard Phillips goes on to say this, quality time cannot substitute for quantity time. Quality comes within quantity, and you can't have quality, even if you think you're doing something special, because the whole time you're trying to do that special thing, your kids know you're just fitting them in, and they resent you, because they know they're not really a priority, and you're trying to buy their appreciation because you don't give it to them all the time. Has to be quantity to have any real quality. He goes on to say, the time to impress on a child 
the central importance of Scripture is not in high school, but in preschool. It starts at the earliest time. Teaching the catechism is reading. Bringing them to church and letting them see daddy loves, cares about church too. Teaching them to obey mommy at the earliest times. After Father's Day lunch, uh, mommy treated me too. We were in the, well, before we were going in and I was lecturing them. I can't remember exactly what, but I think it was just generally you're going to respect mommy. You're going to listen to her. And a mommy driving by with her window down stopped and said, I think I'm going to roll down my window so you can say this to my kids. That's what fathers do. Thus God is with us in our mother's womb. Starts at the earliest times. Psalm 139. And he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Hebrews 13 verse 5. And as either Psalm 71 or 73, maybe both, they said, you've been with me in my youth. Please be with me in my old age. And oh, beloved, he is. He will be because he's your good father. I will be your father. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. Hebrews 13 verse 5. He gives all of himself and he gives himself all of the time. And what's the greater effect? We have an almighty father. The verse says, thus saith the Lord almighty. He's all powerful. El Shaddai. He can be more to you than the best of earthly fathers ever can be. Including, he will never die. He's an everlasting father. He's never tired. You can talk to him any time of the day or night. He never has to say, come back, I don't have time, I'm trying to get something done. He's infinite, eternal, unchangeable. I have to tell the kids, I'm working right now, I need you to come back, i got to get this done. A lot of time I let him in. I'm convicted by, I think it was B.B. Warfield, if not Charles Hodge, had the doorknob to his study down so kids could get in at any time. Sometimes I have to lock my door if I'm getting anything done. A lot of time they're in. But sometimes, especially the little guy who thinks he owns my office, I have to say, come on, get out of here. I love you, now get out. (laughs) Come back later. But God never has to do that. He's their infinite, eternal, glorious father. He never says, come back later, I don't have time. He doesn't have to. He's so capable. He's a good, good father. And together in him we have family in the Lord. And so we are empowered and called to a new holy life as his children. And that's the context here. What kind of a father is he? He's a father that calls us unto holiness and a good life. He's the same father as others say. I don't care what the other children are doing. I'm not their father. I'm your father. And I call you to reflect and live my ways. Look at verses 16 and 17. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you. And will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He's calling us to him who is holy, holy, holy. And so he calls on his children to be ye holy as I am holy. He's saying, I've adopted you into the family of God, the household of God. I'm your father now, not Satan, the father of lies. 
the true God, the Holy Father. I call you unto holiness. The whole chapter is about separating from the wicked world. No longer being slaves to this world. No longer thinking that we are held down or held back by whatever sins of our fathers of previous generations. God is our Father now. And He calls us to enjoy that holiness, that blessedness of having God our Father. Because of what it says about us, we His children. So look at the next verse in chapter 7. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Of course, that holy, filial fear as his children. The call of God our Father is to be his holy children, called out of this world, living in his holy family, understanding our identity, not in ourselves, but in our Father who birthed us again by the Holy Spirit and calls us to grow in him. Verses 16 and 17 are uh, alluding to also Old Testament. Verse 17 especially is alluding to Isaiah 52 verse 11, where God had there rebuked his children and reprimanded his children. Why? Because they are his children. And he's now calling them to repentance and restoration as his children. Thus is the same for you. Again, he says to you, because I am your father. The last part of chapter 6, therefore, you have promises from the perfect promise keeper, God Almighty, your father. Therefore, cleanse yourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Why are you trying to act so squeaky queen and holy, you Puritans, you Christians? Why are you so worried about trying to do all these things right and good? Have a little fun. Why? Because God is my father now, and he is holy, holy, holy. And he calls me to holiness now. I'm so sick of being a slave and son of Belial. I'm free. God is my father. Behold the love of God. He's my father I don't want to disrespect my father. I want to walk next to him and hold his hand. That's a better life. A way better life. And it leads to the end of it all is eternal life. But he does correct us. And that's what's happening in the text. A good father. Disciples. Richard Phillips in his book on Father had his two chapters. The first chapter is on discipleship. And he points to the proverb that says, My son, give me thine heart. And it's about teaching and discipleship. You've got to be there to do it. And it's not just mom's job. And it's not primarily the church's job. Our job is to help you do it. But the other chapter is on discipline. A father disciplines whom he loves. And that's what we're seeing here. A dad protects in part by correction and redirection. This is what we see in the Proverbs. My son, listen to your father and your mother, but listen to your father. I'm calling you, don't go that way. Don't go with that person. Go this way. That way leads to life. This way leads to death. Watch out. Pay attention. God as father, fathers reflecting him on earth in the church, 
they bring correction and redirection as part of providing and protection. And that correction and redirection is through what is being quoted in Hebrews 12, verse 8. The fact that you have fathers that actually care enough to discipline you. Because let me tell you something, children. Children, are you listening? It's a lot harder to correct you, especially in public. It's a lot easier to let you do whatever you want. And have, oh, what a loving, sweet, kind, gentle father, while we let you grow up to be disobedient, unrespectful, and in your 40s and 50s, still looking for a mommy instead of a wife. Still acting like a boy instead of a man. Or a woman instead of a girl. Correction is harder. A real father will correct because he loves and he has the long term in view. Hebrews 12, verse 8 says, if you don't have a father that does that, then you are a bastard. Now that word has uh, taken on a different kind of connotation, but our King James uses it as bastard. What does it mean? It was a great concern, a great concern many years ago, that a son have a legitimate father by the married mother. Otherwise, they were considered a bastard, not really having a father by formal covenant and commitment in marriage. And Paul is telling us, you have a father. The fact that he disciplines you, the fact that he rebukes you and corrects you, as in our verse today, is showing you, he's saying to you, I will be your father. And that includes, I will make you better than you are. I will help you grow into a spiritual man, a spiritual woman. I won't have you just working on milk. I'm going to help you grow up eating solid food so that you can raise your children that way. Exodus 4, verse 22, it says, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Thus, God says now to Satan and this world, the same thing for you. He is my son. She is my daughter. They are my children. Therefore, I say to you now, let my people go. And as you seek to be free from sin and worldliness, focus not on yourself. Focus on your Father. And don't worry. Focus on your Father. That's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. He repeats this idea of your Father. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you even ask. Take no thought. Don't worry. Pray. The message for you on that text was focus on your father. God says the same to you as Solomon through Jesus in 1 Chronicles 28 verse 6. He shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. Build God's house starting with yourself as a part of the Holy Spirit's temple on the cornerstone of Christ, being built up together. And let us love one to another as brethren and our parents through our Father. Our Father, as said in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, as they anticipated the Christ child coming, Malachi verse, chapter 4, verse 6 was quoted, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers. 
Not only are we to understand and appreciate being fathers, reflecting God the Father. Children, you are to respect your fathers. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of revival and reformation in the church. That fathers appreciate their call to be fathers. And they show up. And the children show up saluting them and thanking them and respecting them. I tell you how many times I see, I, I, I'm too interested, I don't do it on Lord's, but I'm too interested in football and all of, the, all of the little documentaries they do. It's amazing. You know what one of the main reference points is almost always, either for good or for bad, is whether or not they had a father. It's always like the main reference point of their whole talk of their football career and how it went. Whether or not they had a father. Respect and appreciate and honor your fathers. If you had a less than blessed father figure, remember Psalm 27 verse 10 is for you. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. That's what he says today in our text. I will be your father. You'll be my sons and daughters, Set the Lord Almighty. If you grew up without a father or without one who cared for you like one or if you lost your father to death. Remember, in Christ, Psalm 68 verse 5 is for you. He is, as you sang this morning, a father of the fatherless. He is God in his holy habitation. And verse 6, I noticed better as we were singing, He makes you not alone in solitary confinement anymore, but he puts you into the family and household of God. He is faithful to Jesus and his covenant, who is spoken of in Psalm 89, verse 26. Speaking of Christ, he shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And because Jesus makes his Father your Father, be assured of the following. First of all, and these two scriptures would be good ones to jot down along with that Deuteronomy 1, if you do take notes. Romans 8, 14 to 17. If you don't take notes physically as I don't typically, take note in your heart right now. Romans eight fourteen to 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage any Uh, the spirit of bondage again to fear. But ye received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And if you and I are paying attention, knowing who we are and what that just said, we should be going, whoa. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. 1 John 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Again, Paul says in our text today, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Beloved, therefore, open your prayers confidently through Christ, as Christ taught you to pray, saying, Our 
father. That's how you're to approach God. He says, I'll be your father in Christ. And in Christ, you're to approach me saying, our father. Notice the our, not just my. Because only Christ can really say my father in one sense. As the eternal son of God. But more importantly, and I think more directly related to, we have brethren. And we're told to pray with and for one another. But the Westminster Shorter Catechism uh, number 100, question and answer 100, I think gives us some helpful thoughts on this. Calling God our Father in the preface to the Lord's Prayer. What doth the preface of the Lord's Prayer teach us? Answer, the preface of the Lord's Prayer, which is our Father, which art in heaven teacheth us to draw near to God with all holy reverence and confidence as children to a father able and ready to help us. Earlier on Mother's Day, the message for you was, remember motherhood matters. But now, and related to that, for it supports motherhood, the message today is fatherhood is foundational. While the scriptures do say that God takes care of us like a mother, and our elders like nursing mothers, or excuse me, nursing fathers, but that idea of a motherly uh, care, God reveals himself in the scriptures only as father. Sadly, there's too many movements taking that out in gender-sensitive Bibles. But it says Father, it always says Father. And there's a reason for that. He always reveals himself to us as Father. This is the foundation of his relationship with us and the cornerstone of family, marriage, church, children, state, and society. Children. And mothers, appreciate your fathers, respect your fathers, and as the scriptures teach us, respect your elders as your spiritual fathers. Fathers, your role as progenitor, provider, protector, reflects God and establishes the foundation of your child's identity and trajectory. It's huge, which is why sometimes if you're like me, you feel like running away and hiding, because it's such a profound responsibility. And yet you say to yourself, God made me a father. I have a job to do. There's nothing more meaningful or foundational in this world than fatherhood. You know the statistics. I didn't go look for them to quote them this time. But you know the statistics. Children who grow up without a father, son or daughter, often there are certain kinds of results. Even in marriages and families where there's plenty of troubles, there's more stability in the child's life and understanding of themselves by the presence of father. At Mrs. Maxwell's commencement this week, which was really a lot of fun, Fernand and I were with the little guys more in the back where the shade was. At the beginning of the uh, ceremony, I saw two little girls standing at attention like this, with their hands at their foreheads, 
saluting as we recited the Pledge of Allegiance. And then we sang the national anthem. In between those two little girls were two big boots and strong legs dressed in military camouflage. And as you looked up the long strapping body, you saw there also saluting in full Navy fatigues and hat their father. And afterward, he walked with them, not ahead, not behind, but in the middle of them both, probably looking for mommy, I imagine, who just graduated. Those girls looked completely content and cheerful and confident and unafraid. This was a subtle, silent, but powerful witness that fatherhood is foundational. I remember preaching a sermon. That's the message for you this morning. Fatherhood is foundational. I remember when I preached a sermon a few years ago in Wisconsin for our denomination, largely addressing pastors and elders on Galatians 6, verse 9. Not growing weary and well-doing. Trusting we'll reap if we faint not. The idea of keeping our hand to the plow. And It's interesting, though. I had a father come to me afterwards. He said to me, I really needed that message because I've been feeling weary of being a husband and father. I've been feeling like giving up. It's hard work to try to be a good father. And we never do it perfectly. But the calling is to keep being dad. To keep being present. Providing, protecting, promising, and fulfilling those promises as God the Father does to us. Fatherhood is foundational. And I thank you men who are fathers and grandfathers, spiritual fathers and grandfathers, helping this church grow and teaching our young children how to father, follow and appreciate and respect and love and serve our Father in heaven, to walk close to his side and hold his hand into eternity through Christ our Lord. Because fatherhood is foundational. Don't give up. Don't run. You keep running closer to the father, holding his hand, looking your eyes up to him, say, help me do better. Help me to be more like you. I'm just a child too. You know that, Lord. But you've made me a father, a grandfather. You've made me an elder. Help me to keep trying to do better. Because what matters more than anything, however many times I fall, I keep getting up and my children see that I'm loyal and I never quit and I never leave them. Because our father never does. Help me just keep being dad and father and trust that my presence is more significant than if it wasn't here. Fatherhood is foundational. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, we do praise you, a good, good father, and what that means of who we are, the children of God. We behold your love. We take confidence and security and cleansing and cheerfulness in your presence and we salute you and we salute our fathers serving and saluting you we ask your blessing on them O lord help us all to keep our hand to the plows not grow weary and well-doing bless our elders bless our spiritual fathers bless our young boys to grow up into godly fathers 
not only having children, but raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord according to what your Bible says, and not to be perverted and persuaded by the ways of this world, that we would love our children enough to correct them and redirect them. Even when they say things that are hurtful while they're immature. Even as we do to you in our immaturity and sinfulness. Forgive us, Lord. If we don't say it, we act it. Let us love you more as we remember the love of our Father who sent his Son to die for us. To live for us. To give us life. And to save us from death. Lord, help us to hear this calling that you have made us your children, that you are our Father, the Lord Almighty, thus to remember in the context you're calling us out of worldliness and into your holiness. Let us hear your call to be holy as ye are holy, remembering you're referring to yourself as our Father and we as your children. Let us delight to do your will as Jesus Christ does perfectly. And let us so long for the day in heaven where we will not struggle to love you perfectly and to obey you perfectly out of perfect love. And, O Lord, as we finish this service this morning and take of the Lord's Supper, remembering the love we have in our Father through Christ, as we prepare to let the whole day be one of rest and worship in spirit and truth for such the Father seeks, we pray as our Savior taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.